Welcome to the Captivatingly Confident Podcast. My name is Kim Ludeman, and I am passionate about helping women just like you embrace your true self so you can show up confidently in your life. Join me as we talk about overcoming limiting beliefs, reshaping what health and wellness really look like, and take steps to becoming captivatingly confident. With all that said, let's go to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Captivatingly Confident Podcast. I am so excited for today's episode. You are in for a real treat. My dear friend, Viva Aurora, is on the show today, and I'm so excited. She is just an incredible presence, and I have been so fortunate to spend some time with her And just, I love everything that comes out of her mouth. So seriously, today is going to be a treat. So if you can put down whatever distractions you have and focus in, especially for my moms in the audience, because she just is incredible and has so much wisdom when it comes to parenting, especially if your desire is to be a conscious parent and a parent that is just intuitive and really in touch with what your kids need and also working on your own stuff. So let me tell you a little bit about Viva. She is a single mom of two kiddles, as she calls them, and knows firsthand how challenging parenting can be. She's also an entrepreneur, parent guide, life coach, writer, and speaker with her own private practice in Southern California. She's a life coach who helps people shift their perspectives and live a life on purpose. Her desire and passion is to lead and support individuals and families to thrive with connection, consciousness, and compassion. She is here to be brave, kind, and speak her truth while encouraging and empowering others to do the same. She is also an Indo-American who has navigated cultural assimilation and combined her Eastern heritage from India with Western life here in America. Today, we get to see her shine in her zone of genius, which is positive discipline and conscious parenting. Her unique melding of the two creates hope for parents who are striving to raise confident kids. Viba, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Oh, I'm so thrilled to have you here. So true confession for for listeners, I was supposed to record this episode with Viba last week, (laughs) and I totally wrote it on the wrong day. So we have a really exciting offer for you. And I wish that we had given it to you a week ago, but everything happens for a reason. So make sure you stay tuned because we have a really, really awesome offer for you. So Viba, tell us a little bit about how you got into life coaching and and also coaching parents and families. Sure. Yeah. Um, so my path has been really curved, but the short version is um, I was I had gotten my credentials as a teacher and really noticed that I was spending more time dealing with social emotional stuff with my students than I was actually enjoying like teaching the subject academically. And so I made a pivot in my career and went back to school and got my master's um, for marriage and family therapy. And I was on the path to licensure. You need 3,000 hours. I was at about 2,500 and decided I really wanted to be able to dive in on a more personal level. So I switched over to coaching. That's how the whole life coaching thing came about. Um, and that was about two and a half years ago. And I left my school counseling job about a year ago to do this full time and 
just have never looked back and loving every, almost every minute of it. Um, (laughs) So that's the life coach bit. And as far as the uh, positive discipline, so I have been helping parents and supporting parents, facilitating classes and coaching individuals for almost, I think I just started my 12th year. Um, Yeah. So it's been a minute. And the way that all started honestly was out of my own necessity. Um, When my children were very young, 12 years ago, so now they are 18 and 21, um, I just needed something more than what was out there, what traditional parenting Mm. um, classes and books were offering. And I got, um, I think like you said, you know, everything happens for a reason. I crossed paths with a program in our school district um, and I took a positive discipline parenting class and I fell in love with it. It Mm -hmm. resonated. I started applying it. I saw the difference with my family and decided that I wanted to learn how to be a facilitator as well. So that's how I kind of dove into parent coaching. Um, The conscious parenting part, that only came in about three, maybe four years ago when I discovered Dr. Shafali Savari's work and I was able to take conscious parenting and positive discipline and just kind of blend them into its own special magic. And that's what I've been sharing ever since. That's amazing. And so for some people who may not understand like what exactly conscious parenting is, can you give us kind of a description of it? Sure. So I think the easiest way to explain it would actually be to explain positive discipline first. And then I think conscious parenting will make more sense. Um, So positive discipline is really about, it's not looking at rewards and it's not looking at punishment as your mode of discipline. It's actually really looking at the intuitive and intrinsic motivation for a child and how we can look underneath the surface of what looks like their misbehaviors to really find the root cause. So rather than placing a bandaid over a, an issue that we're having with our child, we really look for what, where it's stemming from. And then we put in supports at that level so that it actually really helps them grow and us grow as well. Um, so once you understand a little bit of the positive discipline, the the other side of that, then the conscious parenting is the same thing, except instead of looking underneath the behaviors of our children, we're looking underneath our triggers. Why is it that we get so bothered when our child you know, doesn't eat their food or when they slump in their seat or they don't use their manners. What's that about for us? So we look under our surface and that obviously is a lot more introspective work. Um, I call it like second level, positive disciplines focusing on the kid and conscious parenting is focusing on us as the parent. Oh man, that is incredible because so much of it is our own stories and stuff Mm -hmm. and it's easy to get wrapped up in that. And I- totally. It's just incredible. And I love just the way that you explain it. It makes a lot of sense and it makes it more like approachable, I guess is the word I'm looking for and more accessible Mm -hmm. too, Mm -hmm. because some of the parenting techniques out there are a little bit exhausting. Like (laughs) we've been using love and logic with Mm -hmm. Lewis, my four and a half year old, and it's exhausting to try to remember all of the ways that we have to shift what we're saying. Like instead of saying it's time to eat, we're going to say, we'll start eating when you sit down, like trying to make all that. I can't remember all of that, especially in like the heat of the moment when I'm, you know, frustrated. And so I love just like how positive disciplining and conscious parenting works to, to make it almost easier than that. Am I right? Yeah, totally. Totally. I think it's, 
Again, Love and Logic is a fabulous, I I love their work and I love, there's so many different options out there, but I feel like with positive discipline and conscious parenting, like with positive discipline, I have parents that'll come to me after a class and be like, oh my gosh, all the stuff that you're talking about, you know, I tried that last week with my husband and it all totally worked. And it's like, yeah, because these aren't just skills to deal with kids. They're like human being skills. And once you can kind of shift your perspective and see it from this different way, I think it really transcends just parenting and it becomes just a more natural way of you being. It's not scripted. There's a deeper understanding. So you're using your own words. It feels, I think, a lot a lot more natural and very intuitive once you get the hang of it. At first, of course, you know, it's, it's challenging because you're doing something different. But I think with practice and over time, it becomes more and more natural. Yeah, definitely. I can see that. So was it, you said that it was the work of Dr. Shafali that led you to more of the conscious parenting. And I'm curious just about what attracted you to that in her work. Sure. Yeah. So um, Dr. Jane Nelson is the founder, like she's the be all and all for positive discipline and she's amazing. Um, but Dr. Shafali Sabari really got the conscious parenting movement kind of on the map um, she is a psychologist based in New York. She's a speaker. She's a, she's a trailblazer. She's an Oprah, you know, pick. So the way I found her, she was actually on Oprah and I love Oprah. And she was on like a Super Soul Sunday or something. And I remember like kind of having it on in the background. I was doing something else. And then it just, her voice struck me. There was something about that. She's not hard to look at. And what she was saying was just like, blowing me away because I had never, I had never looked at it like, oh, what about looking at our stuff instead of just always the kids stuff? Um, And so that was just kind of like the catalyst for me to learn more. I hadn't even, I hadn't read The Conscious Parent at that time, her first best-selling book. So I immediately got that, Um, really just became part of her tribe and soaking all of the things up. yeah. And, and just, you know, applying it again, my kids were much older at that time, but I still found it super helpful. Which is amazing because I think there's a lot of parents out there who think, you know, oh, it's too late. Right. And so what would you, what would you say to those parents who are listening and are like, oh, well, I don't have little kids or I don't have elementary age kids anymore. My kids are older. Like, what would you say to them about that? Oh gosh. I, and I hear it all the time. And I promise you it is absolutely never too late um, because both of these, these philosophies are really based on connection. And like I said, human skills and really going underneath the surface, it does not matter how old you are and it does not matter how old your kids are. It doesn't even matter if you don't have, you don't even have to have kids, honestly, to practice some of this stuff, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think back too to like my parents and how much I wish they had had access to this because right. that would have changed our relationship. Like if my, so my mom isn't living anymore, but my dad is. And if he would adopt some of these conscious parenting techniques, like I just believe that our relationship could be so different. And he is in his late sixties and I'm in my mid thirties. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that would be so healing. So I agree with you. I don't think it is. there's ever a point where it's too late. Right. No, I think the only prerequisite, and I say this to all my clients too, is that you have to be willing to have an open mind and an open heart because these, these ideas are definitely not mainstream. Um, 
they are different. They're probably things that you've never seen in this way. And if you, if you're not willing to at least try something new, then I can see that being like the only roadblock. But if you're willing, like there's like sky's the limit, honestly, with what you can do with all this knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're, I think we're at that point too, where we're ready for something that is different. Mm -hmm. That's a little bit more radical. I think that, you know, typical parenting techniques and tips aren't really working with today's kids because we have so many different challenges than, you know, our parents had or parents even, you know, with kids your age, because your kids didn't have a lot of screens. Am I right? Um, Well, I mean, there's always TV, right? Like, yeah, but there there was still video games and obviously it wasn't as high tech as it is now. But I think that, I think you hit it. Like the point of it is, is that we cannot parent the way that we were parented because it's yeah. a different world. Yeah. And unfortunately, when we become parents, there's really only two options. You either parent the way you were parented because that's what you know, like that's what's in your cells. That's what you just have experienced and you understand that from that level, or you have to make the choice to parent in a different way. And so that's kind of going off the path. But what I tell you know parents when they adopt positive discipline and conscious parenting, they're really changing the course of their future generations. Because up until this point, for the most part, we've all done it the same way our parents and grandparents and great grandparents did. And that's why there's so much frustration. Like you said, you know, it's the challenges are different. And I mean, some of the ways that parents and grandparents dealt with things are quite frankly, illegal at this point. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you can, I guess, but you shouldn't be beating your child. Um, and it's illegal in many states as it should be. That's my personal opinion. Um, so you have to have other strategies and a lot of the, you know, like we, you and I, I think kind of grew up in that age of like gold stars and, you know, Mm. pleasing the teacher and pleasing the parents and those short-term rewards we're finding is also not working with kids today because they don't care about the gold star. Like, what does the gold star get me? Like, that's not it's not carrying over to today's child. So we need a radical new set of transformational principles and guidelines that it's going to help us get through these 18, 20, 25 years. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, you said it so eloquently, but we can't parent like we, you know, like we were parented. And so as, you know, conscious parents are trying to adopt these new concepts and ideas and ways of, of doing things, oftentimes we get pulled back into the familiar. So is there any advice that you can give to parents who are considering switching into something that's new? Oh, that's a great question. Um, Yes. So I will say a couple things to that. Ready. Be ready for Mm. people to not agree with you, for people to tell you that you're wrong, for people to tell you you don't know what you're doing. Um, You will get this from your own parents if they're alive and in the picture. You will get this from siblings, other family members, close friends, neighbors, the random lady at Target who you've never met before. (laughs) True story. It happened to me. It was a grocery store, actually. Um, But people will come out of the woodwork when they see you doing things differently because it makes people uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So you have to be okay with being uncomfortable and there's a huge piece of judgment. You know, people are afraid of being judged. Mm-hmm. And so to get over that, the one um, kind of mantra or womantra that I offer is, the question is, who are you tucking in at night? 
just that, like it, it still gives me goosebumps because that's all that matters at the end of the day. Who are you tucking in at night? Those are the people that matter the most. As long as you're serving them well and you feel good about it, that's all that really matters. You know, the stranger that's telling you, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know her. You're not tucking her in your child's teacher. Although I'm sure they're a lovely person. Most of the time, you're not tucking her or him in either. Mm-hmm. It's on what matters, you know, and shut out the outside noise. That would be my biggest tip when you embark on doing something new like this. Yeah, absolutely. I love that so much. Oh, good. I love it. It's because it is, it's so hard when, you know, especially in laws or, you know, your yeah. parents are trying to like speak into it and they don't understand. Like that uncomfortability is so challenging. Yeah. Definitely. It's real. It is. But you have a Facebook community for parents who are striving to make that shift, right? Yeah. So it's, I've had my social media presence for a while and I just recently have kind of spun that out into a a more private group setting, just where parents can really dive in and process and discuss um, different articles and just kind of get ideas from other parents and feel supported. So that's relatively new and I'm building that community. Um, It's the iParent Plus Nest on Facebook and I'm I'm sure you'll throw a link in there. Um, So that's been a lot of fun. And then, you know, I'm just trying to like find different ways to reach the most amount of parents that I possibly can and just share these messages and in the hope of shifting some perspectives and how we do parenting, because I think that's really what's going to change the world. So it sounds kind of lofty and big, but that's kind of my mission. It's an amazing mission. And I love that you're doing it. I love just your presence and the way that you speak about it. And you can tell that this is your zone of genius, which is so exciting. Yeah, I love it. I really do. It feels Mm -hmm. really good. Amazing. So I kind of, I want to dive in. We got some really great questions from some moms out there who are just just having a, a time of it, which I think is all parents. I don't know that there's any way around struggling with to raise amazing kiddos. Um, but I know that you wanted to kind of give a disclaimer before we got to some of those questions. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm happy to dive in with some questions. I just want to, as I said before, you know, it's really about having an open mind and an open heart. Um, when you kind of process the responses that I'll get, I don't, I don't know what the questions are, but a lot of times, um, you know, they might take you aback as the way that I'm coming at something, but also understand that positive discipline and conscious parenting, neither of them are about the quick fix, Mm -hmm. which is very against the grain of what we're kind of culturally, you know, conditioned at this point to want. Like I want, I want it immediately. I want the quick fix. Mm -hmm. Um, Here's the problem. Give me the solution. It's not a Band-Aid situation. It's really about going much deeper. So I can do my best in answering those the questions now, but just knowing that there's much more to the process. There's much more to understand than just the surface level. Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense, especially because you are doing so much individual work as well. But I do love some of the questions that we get. And it seems like there's a real common theme of shame for kids. And I know personally, this is something that my husband and I struggle with in a lot of different ways when it comes to our four and a half year old son, Lewis. Mm-hmm. And he has kind of started adopting this 
this attitude of like, sorry, and being mm. not saying it like snarky, but just legitimately saying sorry for everything. Mm. And that just breaks my heart. And it's something I don't talk about a whole lot because there is a lot of personal shame for me around that. Mm. And it seems like with the questions that we got, that I'm not alone, <laughs> which well. is why being in a very intentional parenting community is critical, critical, especially if you are, you know, making these changes. And I feel like, especially with like little kids too. I mean, cause you're, there's so much of it is new and for us, he's our only. So this is all brand new to us. And I just, I love these questions and yeah, I would love to kind of lob some of these at you if you're okay with that. Sure, sure. And I just want to say, like, thank you for sharing that. And I know that that's not easy. It's not easy for us to talk about what we think we're doing wrong. But I offer that there is no right or wrong. You're showing up with your heart. You haven't done this before. I think it was Maya Angelou who said, you know, when you know better, you do better. So it's a matter of like exposing yourself to different perspectives. And hopefully that'll shine some light on what may or may not help. You know, you got to try out a few different things. But the fact that you're even curious about it and that you're feeling into it, I think that's that's a huge step in the forward moving direction. Thank you. That's so encouraging. And I appreciate that so much. Of course. Of course. Okay. So like Vipa said, she has not had access to a lot of these questions. And so she's going to be doing this completely on the fly. So thank you for being willing to step into that. Sure. And okay. I want to start with this one because I just... Oh, I resonated so much with this. Um, It says, I struggle with my initial reactions to things. I get irate when something little happens and then the kids start to tiptoe around me. I've been Mm -hmm. working on not having such aggressive reactions, but how do I help my kids feel confident and peaceful around me and be able to help them get out of the habit of tiptoeing around me? Ooh, that's a good one. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think I, like, I imagine all of us as parents, myself included, have definitely been there in this cycle of like, the kid does something or says something, we react harshly, we regret it later, the kid's fast asleep, we're wide awake, you know, berating ourselves for what a horrible parent we are, Mm. promising ourselves that we're not going to do it again tomorrow, tomorrow's going to be better only for tomorrow for the same thing to happen again. It's like that, um, what was the movie, Groundhog Day, where you just keep repeating, right? And you're like, you can't break out of that cycle. So so I think what needs to happen is kind of a circuit breaker. You've created a pattern now. It doesn't feel good to be in that place as the parent, right? Mm -hmm. So I think one of the first things we need to do in that situation would be to look at, okay, what is the trigger? Are there specific things that your child is doing that is causing you to react in a harsh way? Or I think the, the uh, question said in a harsh or aggressive way, right? Yeah. Aggressive. Aggressive. Okay. So I use a lot of, typically they're called mantras. I make up words. So I call them woman tras or mom tras. Um, I love that. Like yeah. M-O-M tras, right? Yeah, mom-tras? exactly. I love it. Exactly. Mom tras and woman tras because, you know, the English language doesn't have enough words in it. Um, so uh, my mantra around that in that situation would be, it's not an emergency. And what I mean by that is, Again, it goes back to our need to instantly react to everything that happens to us. And that is a false story that we've been conditioned to believe. 
that when our child or any human being does something, that we need to immediately react. When we immediately react, that is when there's no filter. We say harsh, mean things, aggressive things that we later regret and resent and wish we could do over. Um, So a couple of things. The good news is you can do a do-over, and we'll talk about that in a second. But what I would say is if you can input that mantra right there, it's not an emergency, and then practice the pause. The pause Mm -hmm. is a lifesaver as a parent because it just injects a little bit of space, which gives you a little bit of clarity, which allows you to take your reaction, you know, from reacting to your child to responding to your child. And reactions are harsh. Responses are much more gentle, much more kind and understanding and compassionate and empathetic and all of the things that we want to be to our kids and for them to be for us. But you have to have the pause or it's, it's just not going to happen. Um, so that would be the piece in the, in the immediate you know, moment. After it's already happened, people think that you can't go back. And what I know about kids is they are the most forgiving creatures on the planet. All you have to do is own it and say, you know, mommy, daddy messed up yesterday. I screamed at you when you wanted more Fruit Loops, whatever the case may be. And, you know, I feel bad about that. Is it okay with you if I, if, can I have a do-over? Can I try that again? Nine times out of 10, especially the younger kids, they're in a heartbeat would say, of course, yes, let's do it, right? You have a chance to correct it. You have a chance to respond, to show them what you would have said, and then even let them know, you know what, this is something I'm going to be practicing. So I'm going to mess up sometimes because I'm human, but I really appreciate, you know, you letting me do a do-over. There you go. Yeah. I love that. They are. They're so forgiving. I feel like I apologize to Lewis all the time. And, Mm. you know, I just say something similar to what you said as far as, you know, I yelled at you when you didn't buckle your seatbelt fast enough. And I'm really sorry about that. Will you forgive me? And we talk about forgiveness and we talk about the chance to have a do-over and the next time we could do this instead. And I just, I love how you phrase it though with the pause. Mm, yeah. And you know, I would also say to that, take out the word, sorry, not saying that you shouldn't apologize to your kid, but you, we have to use that sparingly so that it's more, um, so that it means more. And you had also mentioned that he's been saying a lot of sorries and you just told me that you've been saying a lot of sorries. So hmm. that's kind of connected obviously there, right? Yes. Guys, sorry, this has totally turned into Kim's private session here. <laughs> sorry. Okay. Focus, focus. <laughs> no, I love it. And I think that's something in our society, like, right? Talk yeah. about old habits and patterns. It's being apologetic for not only what you do, but in a lot of ways, who you are. Yeah. And yeah. just, yeah. I mean, I, I love... I love Rachel Hollis. I love her as a sister. I struggled with the first book, but I love the premise of her second one of like, girl, stop apologizing. Because, right? We do that. We apologize all the time for things that we don't need to. Right. And I think it's, again, there's there's a time and a place where I think apologies are really, really necessary. Mm -hmm. But I think ownership and taking responsibility is what we want to be teaching our kids. And even though they're not always listening to what we say, they're constantly watching and absorbing it. 
So they're, they're picking up on our vibe constantly, you know, on that energy and what we're putting out there. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So just to recap that one, having a mantra of it's not an emergency, that that is a false story that's coming from an a reaction, almost said erection, a reaction. <laughs> and then I just said it. There it is. Coming from, awesome. Awesome. coming from a reactive place rather than a responsive place. And so Correct. if we can practice the pause, then we can work on having that responsive attitude. You got it. Absolutely. The yes. only emergencies, honestly, is if there's imminent danger, blood, or safety issues. Everything else can wait. It really can. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. I love that one. Here is another great one that I feel like is really common. How to get your point across without shouting or punishment. Sometimes mm-hmm. it seems to be the only thing that works. And then she put in parentheses, I'm not really proud when this happens. I feel like such a bully. Mm. So once again, right, it's that cycle that we get into. It's not feeling good for the kid. It's not feeling good for the parent. And it's really, you know, positive discipline is all about connection. It's all about relationship building. So even though it may work temporarily, we look at the long-term effects of what that's doing to the relationship. And it sounds like this person that wrote in, they're already seeing that this doesn't feel good. So the question comes across a lot of, you know, my kid only listens to me when I yell. And my argument or my counter to that, if you're willing to see it with an open mind and an open heart is perhaps we have taught our children, we have created a pattern where the only time they have to listen is when we yell, right? So if we say something the first time the kid doesn't do X, Y, Z, you know, pick up your socks and the kid doesn't move. And we say it a second time and the kid doesn't move. And then we scream and the kid now picks up the socks. What that tells me is that the child has been, to, has been conditioned that he or she doesn't need to do anything until that third time. When they hear mom's voice rise, now we get moving. Because up until then, it's all like, you know, warning one, warning two, that type of stuff. So to reset that, I think we as parents need to look at our own styles of communication. Are we yelling commands from another room? Are we yelling from upstairs to downstairs? Are we looking at our child when we're making a request? Um, One of the really powerful tools in positive discipline is limited choices. So for example, if we're talking about you want the kid to pick up their socks from the middle of the room, you could approach that by looking into their eyes. They're probably playing a video game or doing something else. When you're distracted, you don't listen well either. So make sure that you first have their attention. Sometimes it's not a listening issue. It's an attention issue. Make sure that you have their attention. And then you can say, hey, I noticed your socks are still in the middle of the floor. Can you pick them up now or will you do it in five minutes? When you give that kind of a choice to a child, regardless of their age, they're now empowered to make that decision. And then, of course, you follow through afterwards if they don't, because sometimes they just won't. But at least it breaks the pattern of yelling, feeling like a bully, the kid, you know, that whole relationship dynamic that you have going. Wow. That, that makes so much sense. I'm curious what you think about the second part of that with the punishment aspect. Mm-hmm. I know around here we practice consequences. Mm-hmm. We don't do punishment. <laughs> so I'm curious what you think about that. It's so funny because I've talked to everybody from kindergarten all the way through high school and parents about that word consequences. 
And by and by what people are saying from the youngest ones to the oldest ones, that consequences means punishment, because that's what we've culturally conditioned people to think of when they think of consequences. Nobody thinks of like rainbows and sunshine when you say the word consequence. So I think it's a really great word that means punishment now. So we have to be really careful when we look at what that word is, how we're really applying it. So in positive discipline, we talk about natural consequences, which is always the best type of teacher. We talk about that in conscious parenting as well. A con- um, a natural consequence is something that just happens. You don't have to create it. You know, if your child doesn't wear a jacket and it's cold outside, the natural consequence is they're cold, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's logical consequences, which we set up. And those have more like rationale and reason. They're revealed to the child ahead of time. Those are more like the rules of the house or like the rules in a classroom. You know, if you don't turn in your math homework, then you won't be going to, I don't know, you'll be benched or whatever they do. Um, I worked in the school system for a long time. So I have, that's a whole other, that's a whole other episode. Um, but so you can, those are the two types of, of consequences that are available to us. Punishment, again, though it will work short term and punishment, by the way, I also mean negative consequences. It'll work in the short term, but not in the long run. And what it actually creates is more underground behaviors. So if we're resorting to consequences or punishments when the child is misbehaving and we're not addressing the root cause, the behavior is not going to go away. It's actually going to intensify. So. Sorry, I'm just picking my job off the floor. Oh, <laughs> is it there now? We're good. So that, that's, that's basically in a nutshell why, why negative consequences and punishment won't work. So we need to start at the connection. That's the root. If you're not connecting with your child, and we can talk about what that actually means, then there's no way that there's any room for correction. And that's a positive discipline kind of, you know, foundational principle. You have to be able to connect first. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And so maybe we could spend just a minute talking about like what that connection looks like. Sure. Yeah. Because I hear a lot of parents saying, oh, I'm totally connected to my child. And when I kind of dig deeper, you know, oh, well, what does that look like? I'll ask. And they'll say, well, you know, on Thursdays, we all sit in the family room and we watch, you know, XYZ show. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Do you talk about the show during the commercials? How does that? No, like my daughter's on her phone. My son's, you know, reading a, a comic book. My husband's on his laptop and I'm like, you know, I'm doing the stuff that I need to, to get ready for the week. Well, that's not, you're not present. So connection involves being present and connection with your child involves getting into their world. So that means not that you're going to take your child grocery shopping and call it connection, unless your kid really enjoys grocery shopping, which is, I mean, cool. That's great for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but like for my own example, so with my daughter, you know, growing up with raising her connection would be like, talking about what was going on at school, talking about the friends, going shopping, all that type of stuff. With my son, it would definitely involve a video game, which I got pretty good at video games too. (laughs) You have to enter their world. You have to care about where they're at and connect at that level. That's That's how it truly bonds and connects you, right? Because you're in their world, not pulling them into yours. Because we as adults spend so much time dragging our kids into adult world when really we need to be able to slip into their world for a while to really connect with them at that level. Mm, I love that being present and getting into their world. That's yeah. 
For, for parents that that's hard to do, mm-hmm. for parents that feel like, oh, I just really either feel like I don't have time or mm-hmm. they just, they think that that's boring or it's just not something that they create space to do. Is there practical ways that they can start to do that or how can they kind of start to shift their mindset around that? So one of the foundations of positive discipline is making special time. And so my challenge to parents is 15 minutes a week per child, just 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. You can get into their world for 15 minutes and then just be like a scientist and, you know, take this challenge and then observe what the rest of the week looks like. We notice an incredible decrease in quote unquote misbehaviors by doing nothing else, no other tactic, no other disciplinary tools other than 15 minutes of your one-on-one attention and time per child. Mm. Just try it out. Like if you can make that 15 minutes, I promise you it'll be worth it in the long run. And I know that sometimes it is difficult. We are busy. It is hard. 15 minutes, I think is a reasonable request once a week. Now you can always up it. Of course, more is better in this case, but if we could just start there, I think that would be my first challenge to your, to your listeners. Wow. 15 minutes a week. See, that's totally doable. I think a lot of us get wrapped up in the mind of like, great. So now that means I've got to spend, you know, an hour or more trying to, you know, get on the ground and play Barbies or dinosaurs or Legos or what have you, you know, that have never ending to do list running in their brains, but 15 minutes, that's completely doable. Exactly. It's doable. And the thing is, is that once you make that consistent, you know, and for older kids, I'll even put it like on the calendar, like Wednesday is mommy and me time. You know, we're going to do X, Y, Z for 20 minutes or whatever it is, or an activity or something. And it becomes consistent. They expect it. One of the reasons that children misbehave is because they want attention. We've heard this before. It's a bucket. And if you can pre-fill that bucket, then they don't need to go seeking it in other ways that are maladaptive that you don't like, like them talking back or, you know, throwing blocks at their sister or whatever the case may be. You have that bucket already so full that there's no need for it. And some kids, by the way, have really large attention need buckets and that's okay. You just, you're slowly putting something in it each week. It's a deposit. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, yeah, my brain is totally like already going. I'm like, okay, I'm trying to think of all the ways that I can start to do this. So, And you don't want to do it all at once. You want to take one thing at yeah. a time. So nothing, like I always tell parents, like the first time you're exposed to all this stuff, like you want to change up everything. <laughs> that is a surefire way to just like create a giant mess. So you just yeah. want to take one thing, you know, like just the 15 minutes this week and just roll with that and see how it is. And then, like I said, this is an ongoing process. I can't give you all the tools, obviously, in you know the time that we have together here, but there's there's resources and I'm available and people can reach out and I'd love to be able to support them. Yeah, I love that. Okay, do we have time for one more question? Yeah, one let's more. do it. All right, perfect. This is a great one. And it's kind of in the middle of a bigger question, but I'm gonna, for this last one, I'm just gonna single out this sentence right here. How can you find caregivers with the same approach as you and how to constructively interface with other adults like grandparents, et cetera, who might have other approaches? 
Mm. Oh, I love this one. Do you? <laughs> I do because it's so personal to me because I've done, I mean, they're all personal, but this is just really, um, yeah, no, this hits it because I've done this journey and I, I've done it. So, okay. My first thought was when I took on positive discipline that I was going, you know, their dad was going to have to learn it. My parents who were around the kids a lot, were going to have to learn it. Everybody was going to have to be on board. I wanted them to use the same thing at the daycare. Everybody has to do positive discipline because I found it and it's wonderful and it works. Yeah. That doesn't happen because <laughs> you can't make anybody do anything, right? And we could talk about circle of control, but the fact of the matter is you don't, it's not your job to have everybody on board. Not everybody has to be on the same page. And, you know, you hear all the time, like parents should have a united front. Front, mm. doesn't that give it away? It's a united front as in fake, not real, not true. Right. Why would we want to give a front to our kids? Hmm. So we want to show up as who we authentically are in the parenting style that we are. And if that means that you show up with positive discipline and somebody else is showing up with traditional parenting, that's okay. And actually what it's teaching your child is a really important thing called system skills. We all have these, right? We know to ask mom for certain things and dad for certain things. We know how mom's going to react and how dad's going to react. And that's okay. It gives them variety. You don't want everybody to have like this monotone message that's always the same because that's not how real life works. And they're really going to be ill-prepared when they go out into the real world and they realize, oh, not everybody thinks and acts and feels the same way. So I think variety is good rather than spending your time trying to quote unquote, convert other people, you know, to your way, just focus on your way. You do you, let them do them. And the kid's going to be just fine. Wow. That feels like giving yourself so much permission to just let go. Yes. Of that. Just, you talked about circle of control. My husband's a therapist and he uses control boxes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that's so men, right? Boxes versus circles. Anywho, but he just <laughs> was talking so much about how you can't control other people. And so you have to, you know, you can make your requests, but it comes down to just that is that it's a request and then just letting it go and having. Yeah. Some I mean, you can let them know, like, this is what's been working for us. And then it's mm-hmm. up to them. As long as your child is safe. You know, that's the main concern. As long as they're physically, emotionally safe, people are going to parent and care give the way that they know how. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So that was amazing. And I have so many more questions, but we are just about out of time. So I know that you have a very exciting and special offer for my listeners. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, So I have been teaching positive discipline for over 10 years now, and I've been doing live classes about four times a year. And I'm making the switch to the online platform because I want to be able to reach more parents. And like you said, we were going to originally do this um, episode last week, but now it's this week and the class actually starts Wednesday. So I had already closed the cart on this class, but I'm willing to reopen it for your listeners. Um, yeah, because I think it's a four. So it's a four week class on positive discipline. Gives you all the basics. We talk about hot topics. There's a Facebook group to support you for you know more in depth discussions and whatnot. 
And um, if they join the Nest, which we mentioned earlier at the beginning of the show, um, they can get like a little $50 code in there that they can totally apply. But I am going to have to close that like really soon. I'm thinking midnight tonight, probably. So I know that's kind of like under the gun. But um, like I said, I'm opening it up for your listeners and I hope that they'll take advantage of it. Um, and the other thing that I wanted to offer is if they go to my website, you can grab the five keys to positive discipline, which will give your listeners a more of an idea of like the five keys, the five cornerstones, (laughs) five keys, you know, the foundations of positive discipline. And then I really would like to invite them to, you know, follow me on social and really get in there and learn more, um, and be willing to shift their perspectives because I think it's possible. And I think that our kids and our families and definitely our parents will benefit from it. Yeah, absolutely. And is this online course, is that something that you're going to do again, just in case somebody's listening to this on Tuesday and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I would suggest is honestly, even if it's after Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever, reach out to me. I'd love to get people into this class for the spring because though I will be doing it again. I don't have when yet my chances are it won't I'm thinking it probably will be fall, but I'm not positive yet. And I do know, I mean, just like to be straight up with you that the price is going to go up. This is kind of my first go around. So I'm really trying to get people in at a discounted rate. So I'd rather have them jump in, you know, a class late and, oh, you know, you can totally watch the class on replay anytime. So that's not a big deal. Um, But yeah, yeah. Really try and get in on this round because I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Sweet. Awesome. And I will definitely make sure that I link to you on social so people can find you. And will you mind giving us your website real quick? I'll give it to you, but you know, nobody's going to be able to spell Viba Aurora. So you put it in the, in the show notes. It's just www.viba-aurora.com. <clears throat> but the way they can find me on social is easier. It's just hashtag iParentPlus, all one word. And I should come up on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Perfect. Awesome. Well, Viva, thank you so much for sharing space with us and giving us so many incredible insights. I cannot wait to hear what people come up with. So make sure that you head over to the Captivatingly Confident Facebook community and share one of your favorite tips that you learned today and what you're going to implement starting this week. Remember, just one, not all of them, but I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So thank you again so much, Viva. Thanks so much for having me. It was a lot of fun.